This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Welcome back to Case Closed, your weekly hour of old-time radio crime, which you can find every Wednesday at relicradio.com. Our first story this week comes from Mr. District Attorney. We'll hear the Hot Rod Killer from December 21st, 1952. After that, it's Dragnet and the Big Job from April 27th, 1950. Mr. District Attorney, starring David Bryan. Mr. District Attorney, champion of the people, defender of truth, guardian of our fundamental right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it shall be my duty as district attorney not only to prosecute to the limit of the law all persons accused of crimes perpetrated within this county, but to defend with equal vigor the rights and privileges of all its citizens. This is David Bryan. In a moment, we'll bring you another case from the files of Mr. District Attorney. But first, a word from our sponsor. And now, here is our star, David Bryan, as Paul Garrett, Mr. District Attorney. A district attorney learns that in every man's mind there is a secret compartment. It can be the hiding place for guilt or for fear. And fear is a deadly enemy of justice. Take this case. It started at one o'clock in the morning in the shadows of a waterfront pier. All right, start it up. Where'd you get this heat from, Crow? That's my business. Looks later, you just drive. Let me do the thinking. Uh, you do the thinking, I do the dirty work. Is that it? You want to keep working, Slater? You want to brass check it to Miles' shape up? All right, all right. If Rimlinger isn't straightened out, I'm going to be finished. And no stumble bummer like him is going to finish any crew. All right, turn down River Street. You'll be leaving the pier in two minutes. Suppose somebody sees us, Crow. Who's going to see us? He's the only longshoreman I got working on that dock tonight. He'll be coming out alone. Get him in the middle of the street. It's nice and wide. He'll have nothing to duck behind. Better slow down a little. Now be careful on this stretch. Hey, this thing's sliding all over. Why do you think I told you to slow down? Oil truck turned over here last night. They put sand and gravel on it, but it's still slippery. Watch it now. Pier 37, just past the ferry shed. There's people in that ferry shed, Crow. They're not close enough to bother us. Watch the street. Hey, there. There he is now. Let him walk further into the street. Now, gun it. He stopped, Crow. He'll let you go by. Perfect. Cut into him. Keep going. Think we got him? We knocked him a hundred feet later. But the front of the car's all smashed. So what? I'll give the kid a hundred bucks to have it fixed. That's getting rid of Rimlinger pretty cheap. And the newspapers ain't gonna try to pin this one on any crew. I can see the headlines now. Longshoreman killed in hit and run accident. <laughs> <laughs>
keep in this office, Miss Miller? He's waiting for you, Harrington. Go right in. Hi, Chief. How'd you make out? Lab identified the hot rod we found at the Midtown Garage. It's the one, all right. Any line on the owner? Yeah. We picked him up. A newsboy, 16 years old. Name's Jimmy Leonard. I got him down to the detention room now. You want to see him? Yes. I'll be down in the detention room, Miss Miller. Yes, sir. What's the boy's background, Hank? He lives with his father. Coldwater Walker up on the east side. No trouble with the police before. As a matter of fact... What? He peddles his papers near the 9th Precinct house, Chief. Every cop in the place swears by him. They don't think he'd do a thing like this. It's his car, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He keeps it in a public garage near the paper. Says when he went in this morning, a fender and a headlight was smashed up. We picked him up when he took it to a body shop to have it fixed. Four, please. This Leonard kid's hot rod isn't the only one in town, Chief. Half the kids who peddle papers own cars just like it. But not with a smashed fender. Now somebody might have backed into it in the garage. Kid says he didn't drive it last night. And I believe him. Sure you're not being influenced by the opinions of the men in the ninth precinct? Eh, take somebody pretty cold-blooded to run a man down and then beat it without stopping to help. And this kid, he, well, he just isn't cold-blooded. Sixteen-year-olds can do a lot of foolish things when they're frightened. Here we are. All right, Mike, open up for Mr. Garrett. Thanks, Mike. Jimmy Leonard? Yes, sir. My name is Garrett. I'm the district attorney, Jimmy. He'll help you if he can, boy. Just be honest with him. You'd like to know where you were last night. I already told him I was home. Your father says you weren't. Maybe I... Maybe he didn't hear me come in. He was sleeping. I, I, I guess I got up this morning before he was awake. Mm-hmm. A man who was killed was struck down just after 1 a.m. Can you tell us where you were then? No. If you're hiding something to protect yourself, son, you're being very foolish. If you're trying to cover up for somebody else, you're being even more foolish. I don't want to say no more, that's all. I just can't tell you, sir. Why don't you go away? Why don't you leave me alone? Your father says you weren't home all night. Not since you left to sell papers yesterday afternoon. Jimmy, did you ever lend your car to anybody? Was anyone else in the habit of using it? Anybody who might have a duplicate of the ignition key? No. I, w- I was the only one who ever drove it. Only assembled the car a month ago. You made it yourself? Yeah, a bunch of us made them. We all chipped in and bought parts so we could get them, you know, whole- wholesale. Mm-hmm. Any of the other newsies keep their car in the same garage? Right near the paper? Yeah. Rembrandt, I don't know his real name. Guys call him Rembrandt because he goes to an art school at night. And, the, and Frankie Cutter. They're the only ones. Is that all you can tell us? Yeah. It's no use, Harrington. Come on. Lock him in, Mike. Let's get down and get a car. Where to? I want to talk to the other newsies who keep their hot rods at the Midtown Garage.
Well, that kid they called Rembrandt was no help, Chief. No, he wasn't. But I still want to see that other newsboy, Frankie Cutter. Did you find out where his stand is? Yeah, 12th and Madison, but he won't be there. Well, why not? He works the corner nights. Somebody else has it for the daytime. He lives over this way in Tenement Row, a couple of blocks from the Rimlinger place. I've got to see Rimlinger's wife sooner or later. Maybe I'd better go over there while you're talking to Cutter. Oh, give me the address. Hey, uh, it's written down here. Ground floor flat. Should be the next street to the right. Where good night, so he'll probably be sleeping. Oh, drop me at the corner. Sorry to wake you up, Frankie. Yeah, those kids in the street wake everybody up anyhow. So Jimmy Leonard's in kind of a jam, huh? A bad jam, Frankie. I understand you've got a car just like his. Sure. Bunch of us got them. We all made them together. You garage them in the same place, too. Gotta keep them someplace. What a racket. Eight bucks a month garage rent. I could leave it in the street and save the dough, but the cops keep slapping tickets on it. These your keys on the dresser? Yeah. This your pair of dice, too? Oh, yeah. I must have left them out without thinking. Shove them in the top drawer for me, will you? Thanks. My old lady spotted those. She'd scream like an eagle. Frankie, did you happen to see Jimmy Leonard any place last night? No. Why? You say I did? No. Now, where was your car during the night? Last night while you were working, I mean. Was it in the garage? Where else? Is it there now? Of course it's there now. Rembrandt's, too. Thank you, Frankie. That's all I want to know for now. You don't have to go through the kitchen. Other door leads right into the hallway. <laughs> this is supposed to be a parlor. <laughs> Some laugh, huh? A parlor in this rat trap. Thanks. Why don't you stick around for a few minutes? You being the DA got the old lady all excited. She went out to get some breakfast rolls. She'll fix some coffee or something. I'm afraid not, Frankie. Well, thank your mother for me. Tell her some other time. You're the boss. So long. So long, Frankie. Oh, hi. Didn't think you'd be back so soon. How did Rimling his wife take it? Hot. A couple of neighbors with her now. Yeah, she'd be all right, I guess, if she had been left alone. Two cute kids. Oh, uh, I'd like to stop by the precinct house. Right. The Rimlingers need some help from the police fund. He left no insurance, nothing. And he gets killed coming home from work last night. The first week he's had in three months. Three months? Long Shawman should be busier than that. Plenty of shipping. Yeah, I know. But his wife said he'd had some kind of a beef with the hiring boss, something like that. Anyhow, he was laid off for quite a while, until yesterday. The local union had a meeting yesterday afternoon, and he was elected delegate. I guess that helped him to get working again. Yes, yes it did. For one night. Harrington, I want you to check the license plates on Jimmy Leonard's car. Compare them with registration. Make sure the motor number is right. Why? Rembrandt and Frankie Cutter have cars exactly like Jimmy's. One of them might have switched parking stalls and license plates. I want to make certain that Jimmy's car is Jimmy's car. His key fit the damaged car, Chief. He drove it out to a repair shop. Well, I can always tell his own car, even for mothers like it. You know that. No, I don't, Harrington. As a matter of fact, at this point, I'm beginning to wonder whether we can tell a case of hit-and-run manslaughter from murder. <laughs>
This is David Bryan. Before we continue with Mr. District Attorney in the case of the hot rod killing, here is an important message I'd like you to hear. And now, back to David Bryan, starring as Paul Garrett, Mr. District Attorney. A longshoreman had been killed by a hit-and-run hot rod driver. The car had been located, but the 16-year-old owner would neither admit guilt nor speak in his own defense. While Harrington was continuing to check on the death car, I went to see the boy's father. I told him. I told him a hundred times. If I told him once, that that car would get him into trouble. Now, where is he? Behind bars. If I get my hands on him, I'll break his neck. You're talking about your own son, Mr. Leonard. What kind of a father are you? The kind of a father he should have listened to. I've been too easy with him. Just like his mother was. Blood will tell. That's what she'd do, too. Kill a man and run. Never had the guts to face anything. He's a 16-year-old boy, Mr. Leonard. He's alone, and he's frightened. He may go to the reformatory for five years. Doesn't that mean anything to you? No. I never should have kept him. She wanted him. She couldn't get him. Not when I got finished with that divorce court. You mean you divorced your wife and you got custody of the boy? Yes. I was too smart for her. You took him away from his mother? I did everything for him. Tried to make something out of him. How could anything like that happen in the name of justice? What do you mean by that crack? You never wanted that boy. I took care of him. Made a home for him. You took him so you could do just what you have done. You took him so you could punish him. So you could use him to revenge yourself on his mother. So you could ruin both their lives and separate them for your own satisfaction. To appease your petty vanity. Or whatever you think your wife did to you. Get out of here. You're not going to talk to me like that in my own house, even if you are the district attorney. Go on, get out! And when you see that son of mine, tell him I hope they keep him in jail forever. Tell him I hope he rots there! He'll never rot the way he might have rotted here. If your boy is guilty, I know who should really go on trial. A reformatory won't hurt him. Compared to the home you've given him, his life there will be a paradise. Yeah? Excuse me, but is Mr. Garrett here? I'm from his He's office. just leaving. Hello, Miss Miller. There's no phone listed for here, so I can... We can talk up. outside. Mr. Leonard was right. I'm just leaving. Well, does he blame you because the boy's in trouble? No, he blames the world for whatever trouble he has inside himself. Well, why did you come after me? Well, as I said, there was no phone list, Mr. Leonard. Some of the policemen at the Ninth Precinct were trying to help Jimmy. Yes? One of them found out where he was last night. Where? Well, it's kind of strange. They found out from another newsboy who has a stand near the park district. Saw Jimmy going to the Saverin Plaza Hotel. They checked with the desk clerk. The boy was registered there. Jimmy Leonard registered there at the Saverin Plaza. That's one of the best hotels in town. The desk clerk says he comes there one night every month, always on the 15th of the month. Do you know why? No. Have you heard from Harrington? Yes. Registration and serial number match Jimmy's car, all right. Well, where is Harrington now? He said to tell you he was going down to the docks, near where Remlinger was killed. Now, how did you get here? By cab. Good. Take another one going back. Make out an expense voucher. Couldn't I ride back with you? I'm going to stop at the docks and meet Harrington. Well, there's a couple of things I want you to do. Yes, sir? Get the cop that found out Jimmy was registered at the Saverin Plaza. Tell him to go back to the hotel and check the register for the past year. 
See if he can find one other particular name besides Jimmy's that appears on the register for the 15th of each month. Get the name, find out who it is and where they come from. Yes, sir. And then go into the civil court's records. About 10 years back, I want a transcript of a divorce case. Leonard versus Leonard. Have it all at my office by the time I get back. Yes, sir. See you later. Talking to me? Who do you think I'm talking to? Docs ain't no place for sightseeing. Voice and everything might get hurt. Why don't you just blow out of here? You any crow, the hiring boss? Yeah. Say, you must be the guy that's been nosing around here asking the longshoremen questions. Yeah, that's right. You shouldn't do that. Those guys got work to do. So have I. Oh, EA's office, huh? Working on that hit run case, huh? The guy that got killed, uh, Fred Rimlinger? Yeah, that's right. None of my boys know nothing about that. Poor Fred. I just sent some flowers. Bad thing, the poor guy getting killed like that, leaving a family. I'd bleed for him. Bleed what? Ice water? You're a pretty fresh guy, ain't you? I've been talking to your men, the few that ain't afraid to talk. Troublemakers? <laughs> What'd they tell you? That you make them kick back 20% of their pay every time you hand them a brass work check at the shaper. And they don't like it. Think you can get one of them to say that in court? Rimlinger didn't like it either. He'd have said so in court. That's why the men elected him delegate. And you gave him a brass check for the first time in three months. He gave him the only night job on the dock. And he got killed on the way home. By a hot rod driven by a crazy kid. You blaming me for that? Something wrong there, Ernie? Yes, later. Come here. This flatfoot's been going around the dock, stirring up the men, keeping them from working. Making cracks about why Remlinger got killed. Who's this, one of your muscle boys? He's a guard for troublemakers. Now, why don't you get the road? I think this has gone far enough, gentlemen. Gee, where did you come from? I've been behind those bales for the past two minutes listening to your very enlightening conversation. You gentlemen have any plans for Mr. Harrington? No. No, of course not, Mr. Garrett, but... Uh... You ought to tell him to be careful about believing what he hears from troublemakers. He shouldn't repeat it. A guy like you has to stand for re-election every once in a while. I know you wouldn't want a taxpayer like me making complaints. I got a lot of connections. I think I'll be able to get by when election day comes without you or your connection. Come on, Hank. Where'd you leave your car? Right over here, under the shed. Where's yours? A couple of blocks down. You can take me to it. Yeah, sure. Which way? Turn right when we reach the street. Now pass the ferry foot. That, uh, that hiring boss crawl. I think he knows something about the rimbling of killing. Yes, well, we can't prove it. If only Jimmy Leonard would talk. Or if he'd been able to find a car switch. There was no switch. It was his car. He was the only one who could have been driving it. He took... Look out, Harrington! That screwball almost skidded right into us. Yeah, it wasn't his fault. This road. Yeah. Slippery. Oil truck turned over here day before yesterday. They tried to cover it. Hey, you hear that sand and gravel kicking up under the fenders? Yeah, I hear it. Never mind my car, Harrington. Turn south to the Midtown Garage. What's up? 
That car that killed Rimlingo must have come through that oil slick and gravel. Yeah? Then the death car will be bound to have some oily sand and gravel stuck under all four fenders. I want to see Rembrandt's car and Frankie Cutter's. Hurry. Anything under that one? Nope. Normal road cars. No sand or oil. Have a look at Cutter's. No. No, this one's okay, too. It's... It... Hey, wait a minute. Let me get this flashlight focused. Well? That's funny. Hey, give me a hand out, will you, Chief? Sure. <clears throat> what did you find? Well, right front fender is clean underneath. But the left front and the two rear fenders are covered with oil and sand. That's what I was looking for. Cutter's car is the one that killed Rumlinger. But Jimmy Lennon's car has a smashed fender and headlights. Because the right front fender and the headlight from this car were taken off and switched for the fender and headlight on Jimmy's. That's why the underside of this fender is clean and the other three aren't. There a phone here? Yeah. I saw the garage man using one that little off over there. Mr. Garrett, Miss Miller. Oh, Mr. Garrett, Jimmy Leonard's mother's here waiting for you. What? Yes, sir. She just came in on the train from upstate. She heard about his arrest on the radio. Her name's Mrs. Goodrich now. She's remarried. I see. There's something else. Her name has been on the Saverin Plaza Hotel Register the 15th of every month, the same as Jimmy Leonard. She said he's been meeting her there, so his father wouldn't know. I thought it was something like that. Tell her to wait. Harrington and I are going down to pick up Frankie Cutter. Meanwhile, call Homicide and tell them I want a plain clothes squad to meet me at the River Street Ferry Shed in about a half hour. Tell them to wait. Let's get Cutter. Where are you taking me? I didn't kill the guy, I tell you. Hey, what are we doing down here by the docks? There ain't no police station on River Street. You know what we're doing here, Frankie. You want to tell us who was using a car? Or shall we tell you? You know, don't you? It was Ernie Kroll, wasn't it? Better answer, Frankie. Yeah. He came by the stand. Wanted to know could he borrow the car. To a guy like him, you don't say no. So I give him the keys. What time? Midnight. I was just going to eat. Then he brings the heat back about 2 a.m. Tells me he had an accident. Give me a C-note to have it fixed and keep my trap shut. I thought I'd keep it all, so I glommed onto the fenders and light from Jimmy's car. You want me to drive right on to the dock, Chief? Yes. A lot of guys walking up. Long Sharman finishing their shift. Climb into the back, Frankie. Get on the floor and stay there. Don't worry, mister. I don't want no trouble. Stop here. There's Crow by the hiring shed. Yeah, and that muscle boy Slater. Paying off and taking a kickback. Too money happy to see us. And they'll see us in a minute. Morgan, fan your squad out along the dock. Nobody gets off this pier. I'll try to take them in peacefully, Hagen. I don't want any of the workmen to get hurt. I'm with you. All right, Crow. Business is over for the day. 
Well, what are you guys doing back here? You're under arrest for the murder of Fred Rimlinger. Slater, come here. Huh? What are you guys trying to pull? We're not trying to pull anything. We have a confession from a newsboy whose car you used, Crow. A, a, a confession? I didn't drive the car. I just borrowed it. Who did drive it? Don't move for a gun, Slater. Stay back, Coppin. Way back. We got six men on this pier. If you get by me, tell Slater to drop that gun. Hit, drop it, Slater. Do it before they kill us. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah, we're coming. All right, you men. The law can handle them. They'll get all they deserve. And from now on, you men will get all you deserve. A full day's pay with no kickbacks. Let's go, Harrington. This is David Bryan. I hope you enjoy this case from the files of Mr. District Attorney. I'll be back in just a moment after this message from our sponsor. Now, here is the star of Mr. District Attorney, David Bryan, with a word about the program you have just heard. Jimmy Leonard's father tried to regain custody of the boy, but the court reversed its original decision when the true facts were presented. Meanwhile, hiring boss Ernie Kroll and his strong-arm man, Bud Slater, were sentenced to life imprisonment for the murder of Fred Rimlinger. Frankie Cutter is a ward of the juvenile court until he reaches the age of 21. And now this is David Bryan inviting you to join us when we present our next case based on the facts of crime from the file of Mr. District Attorney. Mr. District Attorney was originated by Phillips H. Lord. to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to Bunko Fugitive Detail. You receive information an escaped criminal is hiding out in your city. He's dangerous. He may be armed. Your job, get him. If you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of all long cigarettes. Smoke king-size Fatima. Fatima is the long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make Fatima extra mild. And that's why Fatima has a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. That's why Fatima has more than doubled its smokers coast to coast. So 
Enjoy Fatima, the best of all long cigarettes. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Thursday, April 27th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working a night watch out of Bunko Fugitive Detail. My partner is Ben Romero. The boss is Blaine Steed, captain of Bunko Fugitive. My name's Friday. I was on the way back from communications, and it was 6.45 p.m. when I got to room 38, the squad room. Hi. Hi. How about some dinner? Well, we got one to check out first. Here's the teletype. Skipper just brought it in. Thanks. San Rafael, huh? Pick up and hold for this department, one Alfred Garvey. Wanted for suspicion, forgery, robbery. This man poses as a fingerprint expert from San Rafael Police Department. Here's his mug pulled from the record bureau. Mm-hmm. We're informed Garvey is registered at the Fairdeal Hotel, your city. Where's that? Over near First and Broadway. Yeah. Please advise us on his arrest, and officers will arrive with warrant signed Chief Police Frank Kelly, San Rafael, California. Shouldn't take long to pick him up. All right, we can eat later, I guess. Hi. Hi, Max. What are you doing around? I thought you took off on vacation. I am. Just came back to pick up some stuff in my locker. Soft touch? Sure. Uh, listen, the wife's got the car there. Are you guys going anywhere near North Main and Daly? Yeah, but we're going to leave right now. Oh, okay, let me grab my coat. All right. You live out near Highland Park, don't you, Mike? Yeah. Well, I took the kids shopping in the car this afternoon. Had to get them shoes for our vacation. Can sure scuff up the toes in a hurry. All right, you all set? Let's go. Where are you going on your vacation? Big Bear. Going to stay the whole three weeks. The in-laws own a cabin up there. They even pay the utilities for us. It's pretty nice. Only one trouble. What's that? They're coming with us. Oh. Where'd you park? In the captain's stall. All right. in the back. Okay. You two still working on that valley case? No, we washed it up Monday. What's this one? Teletype from San Rafael. I want some guy picked up. Here's a mug shot. Who's Richard's going to work with while he's gone, May? I don't know. What's the crowd up ahead? No, yeah. Friner's convention. I forgot they were having a parade tonight. You better stay over to one side. I think we can get through all right. Watch those kids there. Yeah. There we go. That's the place up ahead, isn't it? Mm, fair deal, yeah. We gotta stop by this hotel a minute, Max. You wanna wait here? I'll come in. Uh, it's a big turnout for the parade, huh? Yeah, it's a big crowd. Fair deal hotel. Look at those rates. 35 cents a day, $2 a week. Yes, sir. Can I help you? Police officers, would you look at this picture, please? All right. Maybe registered as Alfred Garvey. Garvey? Sure, came in yesterday. The picture makes him look old. Is he in now? 
Well, let's see. Garvey, room 307. The key's gone. He must be in. Thank you. Yes, sir. Elevator's down there at the end of the hall. Okay. The elevator's in use. Let's take the stairs. I'll wait for you here. I want to see the parade. Okay, Mike. Never seen it to fail. It's uh, stairs. Every time my arch is hurt, we get a thief to check who lives upstairs. Just one more flight. Yeah. Uh, 305, 307. Doors open. Let's have a look. Come on. Huh? Yeah, pretty fast checkout. Came from downstairs. The lobby. Come on. Yep. Come on, hurry up. Yep. Hey, stop him! Stop that guy, police! The police! It's Maxwell. Max. Max, are you all right? He ran out the door. Blue suit. It was Garvey. He shot your friend. Call an ambulance. He ran out the door. He shot your friend. Come on, Ben. Call that ambulance, will you? Hey, you. Did you see a man come out of this hotel? Huh? Did you just see a man come out of this hotel? That was, I don't know. Huh? All right, Ben, you go that way. I'll check up this way. Yeah, right. What's the matter? Watch where you're going, huh? Did you see a man running up this way just now about my height, blue suit? Huh? No, I didn't see anybody. Did you see anybody? Hey! Hey, boy! Yeah, you want a paper, mister? No, listen. Did you see a, a man running by here a minute ago in a blue suit? Oh, well, maybe. I didn't notice him. You want a paper? No. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, lady. Ben! Ben, over here! Did you spot him? No, we're going to need help. All right, come on. I call the ambulance. You better help your friend. He's bleeding. I don't know what to do. Ben, get a hold of communications. Get some help out here. Right. The guy came down in the elevator. It was Garvey, your friend, trying to stop you. Garvey shot him right in the face. All right, stop yelling, He huh? was terrible. Now, look, he's bleeding. You better do something. Will you shut up? Max. Max, how is it? Chest hurts. Yeah, all right. Easy, huh? Garvey came out of the elevator fast with a gun. All right, take it easy now. Yo, I got communications there blocking off the area. It's fine. Watch that front door, will you? Keep those people out of here. Yeah, yeah. Chest. I'll be here in a minute, boy. Call the wife, Eleanor. Ambulance is here. Yeah. He looks bad. He's not going to get any worse. He's dead. The name on the personnel report said John Warren Maxwell, Sergeant, Los Angeles Police Department, badge number 10377. Nearest living relative, wife, Eleanor Jean Maxwell. Dependents, John Maxwell, Jr., six years. Deborah Lee Maxwell, two years. Death in line of duty, April 27, 7.15 p.m. John Maxwell's body was removed from Georgia Street to the county morgue. At 7.45, a special detail of men from Homicide and Bunko Fugitive were on the scene to aid in the investigation of the killing. The neighborhood where the Fairdale Hotel was located was covered for a half mile around. By 9 o'clock, the parade was over and the area was cleared. We had a single lead to work with. In checking out the different taxi cab stands in the neighborhood, we found out that three separate fares had been picked up within two blocks of the hotel four minutes after the shooting. Ben and I went to the offices of the taxi cab company. The cabs in question were called in and the way bills were checked. The times of the three different trips were listed and so was the address of each destination. We copied down the addresses and then interviewed the drivers. 
We're going to give each one of you half a dozen pictures. I'd like to see if you can identify any of them as passengers you picked up tonight near the Fair Deal Hotel. All right, here you go. There you are. Four, five, six. Check them carefully, please. Here are yours right here. Take a good look at each one of them. Huh? Okay, right. Now, fellas, take your time. Look them all over real good before you make up your mind. Yeah, here's the one, Sergeant. No mistake. Let me see. Where'd you pick up this man? About a block from the hotel. I drove him to a place on 14th Street. Same address on the way, Bill. Ben? Yeah? Alfred Garvey. Ben and I, along with Ricketts and Chandler from Homicide, drove out to the 14th Street address. Another small transient hotel. The clerk on duty identified Garvey from his mugshot. He said the suspect had called at the hotel at about 7.45 that night and asked to see one of the guests, uh, Mrs. Lorraine Thomas. The clerk said he told Garvey Mrs. Thomas was out, but she hadn't been there for four days. Ricketts and Chandler went on stakeout in the lobby of the hotel, and Ben and I went up to the second floor to stake out Mrs. Thomas's room. Friday, 11.25 a.m. Lorraine Thomas returned to the hotel and was taken into custody. We took her to homicide and questioned her for more than an hour. She admitted that she was acquainted with Garvey, but that's all. One o'clock. We went to Clifton's cafeteria for lunch. Here, you take this tray. Mm, thanks. Silverware? Mm. You were the first one he ran to after the shooting. Oh, Garvey doesn't have many friends in Los Angeles. Maybe that's why he looked me up. I'll have the mixed green salad, please. Kind of worked his Garvey duty, you know? He told me he was in the Merchant Marines. Coleslaw. Some of that potato salad, please. Do you know what he does in the Merchant Marine? He told me a steward. French dressing. Do you know any of his friends in town? No, I don't. Rye bread. Can I have an extra butter, please? A oh, French roll. What kind do you want, Ben? Now, give me some of those biscuits. Uh, thank you. Does Garvey usually stay at the Fairdeal Hotel when he's in town? I don't know. That split piece soup sure looks good, doesn't it? We told you that the police up north were looking for him. Yeah, I know you did. Like I told you, I've been out with him a few times. That's all I know about him. He must have introduced you to some of his friends. I'll have the prime ribs there. Rare. That piece, there. How about it? Did you ever meet any of his friends? Yeah, one or two. No, no gravy. Meatloaf. Brown gravy. Remember any of the names of his friends? I just met him, that's all. I don't remember. Let me have a roast turkey. Go kind of heavy on that dressing, will you? Did you ever go out with any of them? No. Why do you think Garvey went to your hotel after the shooting? I don't know. Maybe he figured you'd hide him. I don't know why he should. He killed a man and headed straight for your place. Doesn't make you look too good. I can't help that. I like some of those string beans, please. Miss Thomas, you know it's going to go hard on you if you're holding back information on Garvey. I'm not. Why don't you take some of that summer squash, Joe? Good for you. Well, I can't eat that much. When did you first meet Garvey? About three years ago, up in St. Helena. You might as well keep your nose clean. How do you mean? We're going to reach you, Miss Thomas. You might as well tell us all you know. Look, if Garvey's killing people, I don't want to have any more to do with him. We do. Now, where is he? I told you, I don't know. Squash, please. You said you had a little boy, didn't you, Miss Thomas? Do we have to talk about it now? I thought we were going to have lunch. How old's your little boy? He's seven years old. Where is he now? He's in school up in San Francisco. Isn't this line going awful slow? It's lunchtime. 
You know that cop that Garvey killed last night? Smashed potatoes, country gravy. Do you hear what I said? Yes, I know he killed a cop. He had a little boy, too. There's nothing I can do. No potatoes, thanks. Yeah, there's something you can do, Miss Thomas. You can tell us where Garvey is. If I knew, I'd tell you. French fries, please. You're kidding us, Miss Thomas, but we're not going to kid you. You know a lot more about this than you're telling us. Maybe I do, but I'm scared. Who are you afraid of? Look, why can't you count me out of this? I don't want any part of it. You're in all the way. The only way you're going to get out is to tell us what you know. He'll kill me. Well, something happens to me, nobody's going to worry about my kid. You don't have to worry. He's not going to find out. Uh, no, no dessert, please. Now, both kill me. Both? Who's the other one? Who wants the use? Trouble, no matter what you try to do, nothing but trouble. Garvey's working with somebody, is that it? His name's Jack Fleming. Yeah. They made me promise to cover for him. Give him a place to hide out whenever the heat was on. Then you know where they are. No, I don't, and that's the truth. Why do they need a place to hide out? You said Garvey killed a cop. What about Fleming? Hey, Joe, you better move along. Oh, I'm sorry. What about Fleming? We're going to pull some jobs. All right, we can skip the dessert. Come on. I'll take a check for all of them. Let's go. What kind of jobs? Where? Hold up. Tomorrow night. Three Kings Liquor Store out in Wilshire. Let's sit down. They're both the same, Garvey and Fleming. They can't hold a gun without using it. Here's the table. Oh, you dropped your tray. I'll get you some more. Don't bother. I'm not hungry anymore. You are listening to Dragnet, the case history of a police investigation, presented in the public interest by Fatima Cigarettes. If you smoke a long cigarette, it will be in your interest to listen to a typical case history of a Fatima smoker. It's the case of Lee Silver, general assignment reporter on one of New York's greatest newspapers. This is his actual signed statement. When you have to meet a news deadline, you work at a fast pace, smoke at a fast pace. That's why I smoke Fatima. They're extra mild. In my opinion, it's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. And more and more smokers are discovering this every day. Actual figures show Fatima has more than doubled its smokers coast to coast. So enjoy Fatima yourself. The long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos, superbly blended to make it extra mild. You will prefer Fatima's much different, much better flavor. You will agree. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. Saturday, April 29th. Last rites were held for Sergeant John Maxwell, and he was buried at Holy Cross Cemetery. A guard of honor from the police department was present, along with most of the men Maxwell had worked with in Bunko Fugitive Detail. The chief of detectives delivered a short eulogy, and one of the men from the department band sounded taps over the grave. We got back to the office at noon, checked in at the record bureau. A photocopy room had taken negatives of Garvey's and Fleming's coming out mugs and made duplicates that were distributed to all officers. The stakeouts continued at the Fair Deal in the 14th Street Hotel where Lorraine Thomas was staying. She was put under protective custody. Ben and I, Ricketts and Chandler, went on stakeout at the Three Kings Liquor Store on Wilshire Boulevard. It was a large modern place and it did a volume business, especially on Saturday night. 
Ricketts and Chandler covered the store from the outside. Ben and I were stationed in the supply room at the rear of the place, where we had the main counter and most of the store in full view. We set up a prearranged signal with the clerk on duty, and if and when Garvey and Fleming showed up, the clerk was to accidentally knock an empty bottle off the counter. We waited until midnight. Nothing happened. It's the first customer in half an hour. It's kind of slow. Yeah. Wait a minute. Here comes another one. No sale. It's a woman. Uh, Clark sure got the jitters. Well, I'll put in with him. Well, I could go for a hamburger. What didn't you eat dinner? I wasn't very hungry then. Well, I've got an almond bar. You want it? Yeah, thanks. Wait a minute. Another customer. Yeah, man. Can't see his face too well with that hat on, can you? That's Fleming. Come on. Police officers, get your hands up. Watch it, Joe. You hit him. He's going out the front. Come on. Ricketts and Chandler stopped him. Yeah, he's down. Watch him. Get the gun. Yeah. Yeah, here, here it is. That's Fleming, all right. Ricketts, call an ambulance. What's the score? Looks like one in the shoulder and legs, too. What about Garvey? I don't know. What do you think? Fleming stopped all the slugs. Yeah. Let's ask him. The wounded suspect was treated at Georgia Street Receiving Hospital and then booked into the prison ward at the General Hospital. At 11 a.m. the next day, we questioned him, but he refused to admit that he even knew Alfred Garvey. We re-questioned Fleming for the next three days with no results. The stakeouts continued. The search went on. There was no response to our APB. Garvey was still at large. As far as we were concerned, there was only one way to get directly to Garvey, and that was through Fleming. We called on Lorraine Thomas again and asked her that if she'd try to get some information on Fleming, try to get him to talk and to tell her where Garvey was. I'm not even sure if he knows where Garvey's hiding. He must have a good idea. Even if he has, he's not going to tell me. He wouldn't trust me that far. He'll go further with you, and he will with us. He won't even give us his name. I'm afraid it's up to you, Miss Thomas. Why can't you let me out of this? Hey, look, figure it this way. You knew about Fleming and Garvey. You knew they were in town. You knew what they were up to. You didn't break your back to save that dead cop's life. Garvey shot him. I did You knew he was a killer. You knew he had a gun. What do you want me to do? Get close to Fleming. Visit him every day till he talks. But he doesn't trust me. I told you. Then get him to trust you, will you? Do favors for him. He wants to contact friends to raise money for a lawyer. Help him do that. Run errands. Do anything for him within reason. Suppose he finds out about the holdup. That I told you about it. He's got a long stretch ahead of him. He won't bother you. They'll kill me if they find out. They wouldn't wait a minute. They won't find out. All right. Won't be my fault. Al did the shooting. He killed the cop. Let him square it up. He'll square it with the court. There's only one trouble. Yeah. Maxwell's wife and kids. How does Al square it with them? On the morning of May 8th, suspect Jack Fleming was removed from his private room and wheeled down to the x-ray lab on the pretext of treatment. While he was absent, a dictaphone was placed in his room by a sound crew from the crime lab. Fleming was then returned. That afternoon, while Ben and I listened in on earphones in the next room... Lorraine Thomas paid her first visit to Fleming. We had briefed her on how to proceed in getting a suspect to talk, in particular, to reveal Garvey's hideout. It was a slow process. 
For the next 15 days, between the hours of 2 and 4 in the afternoon, Mrs. Thomas visited Fleming while Ben and I monitored their conversation in the adjoining room. For 15 days, despite all her shows of confidence, Fleming refused to confide. He was sullen and close-mouthed. Some afternoons, he would hardly speak to her. On the 16th day, his mood seemed to be improving. Let me fix that pillow for you, Jack. Is that better? Yeah. That's good. Thanks. I, uh... I got in touch with Dave and Johnny like you asked me to. Huh? What'd they say? Well, they said they could get you the money for the lawyer the day after tomorrow. And Dave said he might be able to see you tonight. Yeah. That's fine. Once I get a lawyer, I'll stop worrying. I stopped by Donnelly's place, too. Pop Royce wasn't there. I'm going back tomorrow to see him. He ought to be able to help. You've been okay, Larry. I won't forget it. What's oh, so friends are for? Jim, sure sorry you had to get it this way. Forget it. I can give it back where it came from. Say, I bought you some new magazines, a couple of candy bars. Well... Put them over here near the bed, will you? Yeah, sure. Let me get them for you. There, Jack. See, I'll put them right here on this table. I'll bring you some more tomorrow. That's fine. You're going to try and see Pop Royce again tomorrow? Yeah, they told me he'd be in around noon for sure. If I don't see him then, I'll keep trying till I do. Yeah, that's it. Oh, listen. There's something else. Sure, Jack. Come here. Hmm? I don't want to talk loud. The cops might have bugged this room. Yeah. All right. A little closer. Okay. Tonight, I want you to go to George's joint, the Blue Moon, down on South Flower. Yeah? And ask for George at the bar. He's usually around from 11 on. Uh-huh. Uh, tell George you've seen me. He'll know it. Then tell him to take you to Al. To take me to Al? Yeah, Al Garvey. George knows the place. Yeah. Okay, Jack. And keep your mouth shut. Don't talk to anybody but George. He knows the place. All right, Jack. He'll help you out. Well, yeah. It's a long wait. Get paid. Let's go. 10.45 p.m. A detail of three cars followed Lorraine Thomas to the Blue Moon Tavern on South Flower Street. We parked down the block and watched her go in. At 15 minutes past 11, she came out with a small fat man in a dark blue suit. They got in a tan-colored coupe and drove south. The cruiser cars, using three-way radio, tailed the coupe alternately out through the Echo Park area and then back to the starting point at the Blue Moon Tavern. Lorraine Thomas went back into the bar with a man and 20 minutes later came out, caught a taxi, and took it to her hotel on 14th Street. We drove back to the office. It was five minutes past 1 a.m. That's it. I get it. Monko Fugitive, Friday. Lorraine Thomas, Sergeant. He showed me the place George did. Where? We drove past it. 1032 Alamo, apartment three. Is Garvey there now? No. George said he's supposed to be there tomorrow in the afternoon, five o'clock. George said I'll have to go alone. Are they watching the place? I think so. Garvey's staying with another man. They got guns. You know where Garvey is now? George wouldn't tell me. We can't afford to tip our hand. How do we know Garvey will be there at five o'clock tomorrow? That's just it. We don't. May 9th, 3 p.m. An immediate stakeout was placed at the suspected hideout. 
A detail of 20 plainclothesmen began filtering into the neighborhood in the vicinity of 1032 Alamo Street. The three-story apartment house at that address was checked thoroughly and then covered on all sides. Apartment 3 on the first floor was checked out, too. It was registered to a Thomas King, whom the manager identified as Alfred Garvey from his mugshot. To avoid pedestrian casualties, we toured the immediate vicinity between 3 and 4.30 that afternoon, advising residents and storekeepers to clear the street and stay inside. At 4.35 p.m., the men in the detail took up their assigned positions. We waited. Hold that light, will you, Jim? Yeah. Hmm. Hey. Awful lot of trouble for that punk Garvey. Be more trouble if he doesn't show. No such luck. Hmm? Can coupe coming down the street behind us. Same one we tailed last night. A girl driving. There's two guys with him. Well, Garvey's one of them. They're pulling up. Ready? Now, wait a minute. All right, let's go. Police officers, hold it right there. Al, cops! No, get down. They're behind the car. Throw them in, Garvey. You haven't got a chance. That's it. Both of them. Come on. Both dead. Garvey. The other guy. Mm. Rotten case. Rotten business. The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On August 2nd, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 93, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. It's amazing how many long cigarette smokers are changing to Fatima. Here is the actual report. From coast to coast, king-size Fatima has more than doubled its smokers. Yes, more and more smokers every day are discovering that Fatima is the best of all long cigarettes. Long cigarette smokers find Fatima has a much different, much better flavor and aroma. Long cigarette smokers find that Fatima is extra mild because it's the long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make it extra mild. So enjoy extra mild Fatima. Best of all long cigarettes. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. Jack Fleming, the only survivor of the holdup gang, was found guilty of several counts of armed robbery. Garvey's accomplices who aided him in hiding out were tried and convicted of being accessories. They are serving prison terms as prescribed by law. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of Chief of Police W.A. Wharton, Los Angeles Police Department. Fatima Cigarettes, the best of all long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet from Los Angeles. The 
Halls of Ivy is Pleasant Listening tomorrow on NBC. That's case closed for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. You can find more from Mr. District Attorney, Dragnet, thousands of other old-time radio episodes, more from Case Closed, all the other shows, and everything Relic Radio at the website relicradio.com. Visit donate.relicradio.com if you'd like to help support this and all of the shows. And my thanks, as always, to those who have. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. <laughs>